0: Well, hello and welcome once again to Auditing the Global Capital Markets with Allison. What a week it has been. When we started this show in the beginning of January, 2023, the objective was to dissect and audit the entire global capital markets every week to understand where our money is in the world what it's being used for, where it is going, and what's happening around this planet Earth with all of the trillions of dollars that are circulating. So the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank on March 10th, 2023, Friday, was a testimony and a witness to why Alison Johnson, Started this program. We need to understand and audit the global capital markets every day to realize that our money is being used for all sorts of purposes that we may or may not be aware of, approve of, like, or even understand. And that's what this program is all about. So, welcome to a deep dive into the Silicon Valley Bank and its collapse, March 10th, 2023, and everything that we know as of today, March 16th, 2023. Some of the hottest seven days and seven nights that the economy of the globe has experienced since the financial collapse of 2008. So, we're going to use the full Might of our power in this research, and let's get started. The first thing to notice is Business Insider came out immediately with an article by 7 p.m. that night by Sindhu Sundar asking, Huh, wondering what the hell just happened at the Silicon Valley Bank? Here's everything you need to know. The Silicon Valley Bank a once-trusted banker to startups, was closed down by regulators on Friday, March 10th. The collapse sent shockwaves for the industry as startups worried about logistics and payroll. Silicon Valley Bank, we'll abbreviate for this broadcast as SVB, became the latest casualty of a bank run as venture capitalists and founders rushed to protect their funds. Only last month in February, Silicon Valley Bank ranked among the top 20 in Forbes list of best USA banks of 2023. In fact, they were number 16. By Friday afternoon, last week, the once trusted bank of venture capital investors and tech startups was closed down by regulators in what has now become the second largest bank failure in the USA. The first being Washington Mutual in 2008 in the middle of the financial meltdown and crisis of the mortgage-backed securities industry. Any deeper longstanding reasons behind SVB's sudden collapse will no doubt unfold in the coming days. But the coup de grace appeared to be a traditional bank run because on Thursday, March the 9th, more startup founders moved to make withdrawals. Why? Because they were apparently rattled by SVB's falling stock and the losses that the bank took on the sale of $21 billion in bond investments now let's look at why the startups were running on the bank why did silicon valley turn on its silicon valley bank twitter had exploded on thursday afternoon with concerns about storied institution silicon valley bank some investors are imploring their startups to pull their money out of the bank and buy Thursday, there was a call to stay calm by the CEO of SVB Bank, Gregory Becker. He told clients to stay calm. But by Thursday afternoon, the tweets started rolling in. Silicon Valley began to lose faith in its go to bank, SVB Financial. And Howard Lerman wrote, Okay, I am hearing from dozens of founders about what to do at SVB. It's an all out bank run. <clears throat> Every company I know is scrambling to get their cash balances under 250000 and the rest of cash off platform or into big bank funds as soon as possible, wrote founder Alex Miller in a tweet. All the VCs sending panic direct messages around pulling money out of SVB means there'll be a good old run on probably the biggest blue chip bank in tech. Some companies will either get wrecked or have liquidity problems. Not good for tech, wrote another founder. SVB saw its stock price plummet by 60% on Thursday as a result. That came after the bank completed a $21 billion fire sale of its bond portfolio. But take a moment and understand, that was supposed to be the strength of having money in bonds when you need to get cash. But the Federal Reserve Bank of the USA has hiked up interest rates since they bought their bonds. And so they had to sell the bonds at a loss of over $1.8 billion, thanks to the higher interest rates of the Federal Reserve Bank and other factors. Because of this law, SVB said it would raise about $2 billion from investors by selling stock and issuing related securities. This caused some venture capitalists and founders to worry about the financial strength of their banking institution. SVB lends money to startups and keeps their cash deposits so they can pay staff and other expenses. If startups are worried the bank can't give them all their money back from their bank accounts, then they might pull their accounts. In essence, a bank run, Silicon Valley style. A source familiar with the Red Beard Ventures firm told Insider Business that they are moving their accounts out of SVB and have told the startup founders in their portfolio to do the same. This person said keeping the money at SVB was not worth the risk. SVB shares plunged another 18% to $87 in after-hours trading on Thursday. A year ago, the stock traded above $500. Look at how much it dropped. The media relations and investor relations departments of SVB did not return an email seeking comment on Thursday. The SVB CEO, Gregory Becker, told clients on a Thursday call to stay calm and that there's no need to worry, according to a report from the information. He added that the bank has ample liquidity to support our clients, with one exception. If everyone is telling each other SVB is in trouble, that would be a challenge. Well, guess what, folks? That's exactly what happened. Some founders who bank with SVB say they're not concerned yet. That was Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. Quote, for what it's worth, Loop Bank, uh, this company called Loop, Loop banks with SVB and will remain with SVB. End of story. That's the co-founder and CEO, John Henry. He wrote that on Twitter. The car insurance startup founder, told Insider in an interview that he's been fielding calls from his most level-headed investors, worried about the predicament the bank finds itself in, but for now has decided to stay put. We spent some time today with our VP of finance, assessing the actual risk here, thinking it through and plotting out some pathways forward, he said. We took a look at their actual balance sheet, and it does look like in the event of a material run, they could be vulnerable. But I think it's important that SVB has been a really important stakeholder in this world of venture. So everyone by Thursday afternoon is thinking, I'm going to hold tight. Well, as we know, all that came rattling down. As the bank has already been experiencing headwinds from continued higher interest rates, pressured public and private markets, and elevated cash burn. That was according to Greg Becker, the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, when he wrote to investors on Wednesday so he could see the writing on the wall on Wednesday. Becker left the board of the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank on Friday, according to a report for, by Reuters. While some tech founders had at first advised against anxious moves, like on the article in Thursday, after evaluations Wednesday and Thursday, they couldn't turn a tie that exploded into an all-out crash. The stock of the bank, which said it served about half of USA startups that venture capital firms invested in, had dropped about 86 percent by Friday. As part of the closure on Friday, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the agency that helps insure customers' bank funds, has now taken control of the Silicon Valley Bank. The agency is prioritizing returning insured deposits within days. They've been working on that the last seven days and devising ways to offer recoveries for customers with uninsured deposits. And that's what they said in a statement on Friday from the FDIC. A representative for the Silicon Valley Bank did not respond to Insider's request for comments. SVB's now historic collapse puts it second only to the fall of Washington Mutual. During the 2008 subprime mortgage crisis, according to data from the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, the latest fallout will pose administrative and existential questions in a tech industry already shaken up by a layoff. What kind of recoveries can customers with uninsured deposits expect? Well, during these seven days, we've seen a response that the Treasury Department, the Federal Reserve Bank of the USA, they've had to step in to shore up the remainder of that $280 billion in assets that they were sitting on? How will startup companies handle logistics? As many are already fretting about how they'll pay employees now. And will Silicon Valley find any buyers? Well, we've been watching that and they've been looking for buyers the whole week. Quite a catastrophe. And there's more because Silicon Valley, overall has been struggling with this because the fact that their stock dropped 60% was because higher interest rates sparked billions in losses when they were forced to sell a $21 billion bond portfolio at a loss. See, the Silicon Valley Bank parent, SVB, financial. It plunged 60% on Thursday after the company completed the $21 billion fire sale of its bond portfolio, which led to a loss of $1.8 billion, and spurred plans to raise more capital from investors, which is what the CEO said they wanted to do Thursday. The bank said it would raise $2.3 billion from investors by selling stock, essentially diluting shareholders to cover the losses related to the bond sale. The big losses experienced by the bank are directly related to the surge in interest rates over the last year, as the company's USA Treasury holdings were bought at a time when interest rates were still relatively low. Bond prices fall as yields rise. According to SVB Financial's updated investor deck, the company's $21 billion bond portfolio had a yield of 1.79%, and a duration of 3.6 years. Today, the three-year U.S. Treasury note yields 4.7%, a far cry from the levels at which the bank bought the Treasury notes prior to 2022. Also, hurting SVB financial is the fact that it mainly lends to venture capital and private tech companies that often rely on IPO market to cash in their equity stakes and raise money that is often held at the bank helping boost its deposits. But with the IPO market essentially closed over the past year, SVB Financial has seen an ongoing decline in deposits. Of course, SVP Financial said at the time on Friday and Thursday, we are taking these actions because we expect continued higher interest rates, pressured public and private markets, and elevated cash burn levels from our clients as they invest in their businesses. The bank said it will use the proceeds of its bond portfolio sale to restructure its available for sale securities portfolio by investing in short duration U.S. treasuries that offer much higher interest rates than its prior bond portfolio had. The bank also said it would hedge its portfolio with floating swaps. The move would have allowed the bank to partially lock in funding costs to better protect its net interest income and protect itself against declines if a slow fundraising environment and elevated cash burn trend persisted for its client space, which had been going on for the last years. The credit rating agency Moody's cut SVB's credit rating to BAA1 and downgraded the bank's credit outlook to negative because of the, quote, potential negative implications for SVB if the declining venture capital investment activity and high cash burn does not subside, unquote. SVB financial CEO Greg Becker told investors in a shareholder letter, SVB is well capitalized with a high quality liquid balance sheet and peer leading capital ratios, unquote. Well, The decline in SVB financial dragged down the entire banking sector on Thursday all the way up till today from the 9th to the 16th of March, 2023, sending shockwaves through the industry as investors wondered if problems at the bank could be prevalent at other growth oriented banks. We can see that the Silicon Valley bank crisis is exploding across the region and the world. So right now, what we need to know is, this bank provided 44% of all venture capital-backed tech and healthcare companies that publicly listed on a stock exchange last year. This was a major bank for the technology sector. We are seeing that there are probably two reasons that the stock price crashed, both tied to the Federal Reserve Bank of the USA's aggressive interest rate hikes as it bids to crush soaring inflation in the USA. See, the Fed's tightening campaign weighed on SVB's bond holdings. And as you know, that's why they had that significant loss on Thursday from their fire sale of its fixed income portfolio of $21 billion and they lost 1.8 billion. They weren't able to raise the 2.3 billion through stock sales to cover the losses. And so the startups were really finding a difficult situation to access funding with borrowing turning costlier. And that also fueled a high level of deposit outflows from the bank. So all of this sparked the fears of the bank run that happened and really caused there to be tremendous exposure by the institution. See, SVB's unique niche in the tech world is a real boon when that business is booming, but a problem when it's not, according to Interactive Brokers Chief Strategist Steve Sosnick. So here's how it's affecting other bank stocks. Crypto-friendly bank Silvergate Capital announced Thursday it would shut down. And the crisis at two financial institutions ignited fears of contagion effects across the entire sector, fueling a sharp sell-off across banking stocks that we've witnessed for these seven days and seven nights. Wall Street's four biggest banks, jp Morgan Chase Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Morgan Stanley shed $55 billion in combined market value on Thursday with investors rattled by the implosion of Silicon Valley Bank and Silver Bank, pardon me, Silvergate, according to data from Refinitiv. The KBW Bank Index, which tracks the price of the U.S. leading publicly traded banks, plunged 7.7% Thursday for its worst day in almost three years. On Friday, bank stocks offered a mixed picture last Friday as J.P. Morgan's stock price recovered some, while First Republic Bank saw its stock price dropped 20 percent and as you know first republic bank has been struggling as well all week yes some of wall street's biggest names have raised the alarm as fears grow that svb's turmoil will spread to the wider financial system which we've been seeing uh michael burry from big short investor uh said it is possible we found our enron uh which he was referencing the scandal-hit energy firm whose collapse came to symbolize the early 2000 stock market crash. And top economist Mohamed El-Erian and Wolf of All Streets trader Scott Melker are also fretting about the wider impact of what's happened. So, as we know, on Friday, the FDIC shut the Silicon Valley Bank. Quote, to protect insured depositors, the FDIC created the Deposit Insurance National Bank of Santa Clara, DINB at the time of closing, the FDIC as receiver immediately transferred to the DINB all insured deposits of Silicon Valley Bank, the regulator said in a statement, unquote. Billionaire investor Bill Ackman had previously called for the U.S. government to bail out the company because of its important role in the world of venture capital. The failure of SVB financial could destroy an important long-term driver of the economy as VC-backed companies rely on SVB for loans and holding their operating cash, he said on Twitter on Thursday night. If private capital can't provide a solution, a highly dilutive government-preferred bailout should be considered, unquote, from Ackman. And as we know, that's basically what's happened. During the seven days and seven nights, the government has had to step in, not just the FDIC, but the Department of the Treasury and the Federal Reserve Bank of the USA overall. So, we know the regulators shut the bank down, putting it into FDIC receivership. Trading was halted for the bank prior to the announcement. And at the time of the closing, the FDIC, as the receiver, immediately transferred to their new created bank all insured deposits at the Silicon Valley Bank. So, now, we've got to move on to what do we want to understand about this for us? Because as we can see, since then, Signature Bank has failed. The First Republic Bank is now asking for an injection of cash. Uh, And also, West was being sold off. Lots of regional banks across the board uh, were suffering during these last seven days and seven nights. So this is a situation where there is so much to understand. So let's dive a little bit deeper into what the opinion is from wall street so wall street is basically coming to the rescue a group of banks led by jp morgan chase bank and bank of america are set to pile 30 billion dollars into first republic bank which was about to collapse as well a group of wall street banks led by jp morgan bank of america and citigroup are set to deposit 30 billion dollars into embattled first republic bank also providing support are Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, U.S. Bank Bancorp, Truist Financial, and PNC Financial Services. Republic First Republic shares rallied more than 10% on the news after taking a beating in recent days. Now, this is as of today, March 16, 2022, uh, pardon me, 23, 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time. So this is a relief. And uh, th- this group of banks uh, will be giving $5 billion apiece to shore up First Republic Bank so it doesn't fall like Silicon Valley Bank and like Signature Bank. And this is an example of what has to happen both from the government and the private sector uh, to shore up uh, overall bank deposits. First Republic is working on potential options including a capital raise in various forms uh, while a full takeover is possible from another bank according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and that some sources cautioned that a buyout route looked unlikely at this point as of today. The final form of aid for First Republic remains highly uncertain. So any deal would require approval by regulators and would be driven partially by the bank's volatile stock. So shares of First Republic had already plunged as of this morning, 30 percent, and as of Wednesday night, according to Bloomberg. And the company was considering strategic options to bolster liquidity, including a sale to bigger banks. So you see First Republic on Sunday, after the, you know, March 9 and 10 problem, by March 12, its liquidity position remained strong. And in a regulatory filing, it said it had received $70 billion of liquidity from the Federal Reserve and JPMorgan Chase. But clearly, First Republic shares have plunged about 80% year to date. Fierce selling erupted last week in First Republic as investors scoped out lenders with a hefty amount of deposits that would be uninsured by the FDIC. Silicon Valley Bank was seized, as you know, after clients pulled funds after learning a jump in interest rates, spurred billions in losses in SVB's bond holdings. First Republic had 68% of its deposits unprotected by the FDIC's insurance limit of $250,000 per account according to the bank's latest 10K filing. Silicon Valley Bank had about 94% of its domestic total deposits uninsured. 94% according to the S&P Global Market Intelligence data. That is why they're making a run on First Republic Bank. The lender's credit rating at S&P Global and Fitch Ratings was downgraded to junk territory Wednesday on risk of clients pulling deposits. So that's why these Wall Street banks have to step in. Because they've got to shore up that 94% of federal, uh, of uh, first Republic Bank money that is sitting beyond 250,000 that can be backed by the FDIC. So let's get some uh, higher analysis here from Jeremy Siegel, uh, and a little bit more of what what he has to say in terms of the situation. So he's a Wharton professor from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School of Business. Jeremy Siegel says the Silicon Valley Bank collapse could be a good thing if it knocks some reality into the Fed to pause rate hikes. Well, there we go. First time somebody's brought that up. The SVB crash could be good for markets if it forces the Fed to pause rate hikes, Jeremy Siegel said. The economist has blasted central bankers over rate hikes which he says raised the odds of recession. SVB's implosion is a consequence of rising interest rates and the Fed needs to take it as a wake-up call, he said. So I really want to dive into this because the Harvard Business School of Washington, D.C. put a request out on Wednesday morning, March 15, 2023, for all alumni to ask questions on CNN at 9 p.m. Wednesday night, March fifteenth, on why the Silicon Valley Bank collapsed and what does it mean. And we put out some phenomenal questions and mine was directly this federal reserve bank of the usa being the cause of the silicon valley bank collapse and whether the commissioners of the bank of the federal reserve bank and the and the governor whether they need to be held accountable for this collapse and this run on all these regional banks and as we saw from march 13 through 15 we've had over 55 billion dollars taken out of the big four banks so let's see what jeremy siegel has to say the silicon valley bank implosion could actually be a good thing for markets if federal reserve officials take the bank's failure as a wake-up call and finally pause their interest rate hikes according to wharton professor jeremy siegel quote i hope that the knocks some I hope that this knocks some reality into the Fed chairman, Powell, Siegel said in an interview on CNBC on Tuesday, referring to the SVB collapse in relation to the Fed's aggressive interest rate hikes to control inflation. Central bankers have raised interest rates 1,700% over the last year. That's incredible. We'll dive into that in a second. A level that Siegel has warned could push the economy into a recession. So there's a different school of thought, right? Because you have different professors from Harvard University and Stanford University that I've been studying, who see that the Federal Reserve Bank is doing the right thing to keep pushing up the interest rate and to stem the inflation. And then you have someone like University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School of Business professor saying, no, that's causing the economy to move into a recession. So the collapse of a Silicon Valley bank has been a consequence of that policy move, Siegel said. The tech-focused bank has roiled markets in the past week since reporting a $1.2 billion loss on its bond portfolio thanks to aggressive rate hikes that have raised bond yields while pushing down prices. The loss led the bank's stock to plunge 60% in a single day before it was shuttered by regulators and taken over by the FDIC. The implosion also highlighted how rate hikes have raised odds of recession, Siegel said, pointing to the inverted treasury yield curve, which occurs when short-term interest rates surpass longer-term rates. The surge in short-term rates is partly behind SVB's crash, he said, and the inversion itself is a notorious signal of an upcoming downturn. Quote, he said, there's a reason every recession in the last 50 years has followed an inversion. Something blows up, something goes wrong, he added. He added, I think those realities are seeping in. I hope they're seeping into the Fed, unquote. Markets have significantly raised the odds of a softer rate hike or even a pause at the Fed's next policy meeting. With investors pricing in a 75% chance, the central bank raises rates by 25 basis points, according to the CME FedWatch watch tool. Jeremy Siegel added, I think, quote, this ultimately could be good. If you look at the future markets right now, they're saying one and done, and then a decline, unquote. So Sarah, Jeremy Siegel believed Fed officials should pause interest rates and has urged central bankers to do so for months. He said a 25 basis point rate hike was the most likely possibility next week as central bankers are looking to ease up on monetary tightening efforts without alarming markets. A sudden pause in rate hikes could signal the Fed believes the banking system is in crisis, which could spark volatility in markets and cause stocks to fall. Last thing we need, right? It's uh, very interesting to get these feedback um, points. Let's look at one more opinion. This is from a Nobel economist. And let's see uh, what he says. His name is Joseph Stiglitz. Silicon Valley's bank's downfall was the result of Chairman Powell of the Federal Reserve Bank of the USA inflicting, quote, callous, unquote, an unnecessary pain on the economy. That's according to Joseph Stiglitz, the Nobel economist. He says that the downfall of SVB was caused by Powell inflicting unnecessary pain. Joseph Stiglitz also pointed to the Fed's aggressive policy, which raised interest rates 1,700 percent over the last year. And the higher interest rates were the catalyst that led to SVB's demise. And of course, Joseph Stiglitz is blasting the Federal Reserve Bank policy. So the downfall of Silicon Valley Bank, according to. Nobel economist Joseph Stiglitz was the result of Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell inflicting unnecessary pain on the economy. Stiglitz, the former chief economist of the World Bank Group and a Columbia University professor, blasted the Fed's role in the collapse of SVB on Monday, blaming the recent chaos in markets on the central bank's aggressive monetary tightening policy. Now, as a result of Powell's callous and totally unnecessary advocacy of pain we have a new set of victims and America's most dynamic sector and region will be put on hold that was a quote from Stiglitz that said that in an op-ed for Project Syndicate on Monday the the 14th of March echoing other commentators who say the collapse of SVB will ripple through the tech sector for years to come Silicon Valley's startup entrepreneurs, often young, thought the government was doing its job, so they focused on innovation, not on checking their bank's balance sheet daily. That's what Joseph Stiglitz said. The tech-focused bank roiled markets last week after reporting a $1.8 billion loss on its bond portfolio, causing its stock to plunge 60% in a single day and eventually for the bank to be shuttered by state regulators and put under the control of the FDIC. The fiasco is largely the fault of the Fed, according to Siglitz, as central bankers raised interest rates 1,700% last year to control inflation. The move has weighed heavily on bond prices, and by the end of 2022, U.S. banks were sitting on $620 billion dollars in unrealized losses in their bond portfolios, according to the FDIC. Let's just pause right there because this is the kind of auditing of the global capital markets with Allison that we're up to every week. We're gonna dive into this as much as we can in this program and continue next week. How could the Federal Reserve Bank of the USA let US banks sit on that much in unrealized losses when they raise the interest rates. I mean, is that really worth it? 620 by 20 billion? Well, we'll we'll, we'll dive into it in just a second. <laughs> Continuing with Wharton Professor Jeremy Siegel, other Wall Street commentators have been critical of the Fed's response to inflation as well, not just Jeremy. So, let's hear from them as well. As central bankers blew off rising prices as transitory in late 2021, before aggressively hiking rates in 2022. So the point of Wharton professor Jeremy Siegel was that he called Fed policy one of the main reasons behind SVB's implosion and warned another 50 basis point interest rate hike would increase the risk of more bank failures. Markets have dialed back expectations for next rate hike at the upcoming policy meeting as some see the Fed pulling back in order to avoid putting additional stress on an already fragile banking system. Investors are pricing in a 83% chance of a 25 basis point rate hike as of today and a 17% chance that the Fed will pause altogether according to the S pardon me, the CME FedWatch tool. So, if we dive a little bit deeper into some of the points that uh, the professor made, we want to know what are a market, a list market mind saying about the collapse. So it's interesting. We've heard from a number of people uh, in the academic world. Let's look at some of the multi-billionaires that are running also uh, the asset management structures we've been reviewing the last months. Warren Buffett may be buying the dip in regional bank stocks, according to Bill Ackman, another multi-billionaire. Lloyd Blankfein, Bill Ackman, and Michael Burry have all weighed in on the fiasco rocking markets. Let's hear what they have to say. So. We're live here as Silicon Valley Bank's collapse continues to rattle investors and stoke fears of further bank runs and financial catastrophe as of today, March 16, 2023. So the USA Treasury, the Federal Reserve Bank of the USA, and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation helped assuage those worries over the last week by announcing deposits at the country's 16th largest bank of SVB and that it would be guaranteed and the bank's customers would have access to all their money which they've been able to do this past few days. And of course, um, we're looking at you know celebrated intervention to prevent more crises, but it also uh, is spurring warnings that it can encourage banks to be more reckless because look how SVP was bailed out. But President Biden has reassured Americans that their deposits are safe, taxpayers won't foot the bill for, for bank losses, any plans to reign in the banking sector to avoid future crises. And then Warren Buffett, meanwhile, is buying regional bank stocks as they dip. Following along for the latest developments, um, we're talking to Lloyd Blankfein, Bill Ackman, Michael Burry, Mark Cuban, Paul Krugman, and Elon Musk and what they're saying. So right now, the implosions of Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate Capital, and Signature Bank in the last three to six days, has really been scary in the headlines. But they could be actually bullish developments for stock investors. That's because the Federal Reserve may be forced to slow the pace of rate hikes it's been enacting since March of 2022, and it could be welcome news for investors who have felt the pain of tighter financial conditions as stocks have limped to a weak start this year so far. It would also help alleviate the very pressure that led to the collapse of these institutions. After all, the rising interest rate environment is what put the firms in such a precarious situation to begin with. As risk-free government bonds started yielding more than their debt, that's the crux of the problem. The risk-free government bonds that all these banks and companies have bought over the decades with a certain time horizon are supposed to be yielding at least the same or 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 less than the debt, not more than their debt. That's how they fall in these collapses. Customers pulled money and fled to greener pastures, and the panic situation eventually snowballed into the series of bank runs that we've been witnessing for the last seven days and seven nights. So right now, we we really have to see, what do we want to say about the situation in terms of, the rest of the market. So look at what's happening. Charles Schwab plunges 19% uh, as investors worry about banks sitting on big bond losses following the Silicon Valley bank collapse. That was as of, uh, you know, the last couple of days. Um, So everybody is being affected. Charles Schwab has nearly $28 billion in unrealized losses across its held to maturity and available for sale bond portfolio. So everybody is being tackled with the same problem that Silicon Valley Bank had. We're sitting on all these unrealized losses. I said earlier, it's $620 billion as of the end of 2022 for all U.S. banks sitting on unrealized losses from their bonds assets. What do you do in these circumstances? And that's why I think it's really important to look. You look at Charles Schwab. It is one of the many banks that poured billions of dollars into the USA Treasury securities at a time when interest rates were at a rock bottom level. Now, since rates have soared over the past year, those bonds have declined in value. And in the event that the bank needs to sell them, like Silicon Valley Bank did, they could realize significant losses that could ultimately wipe out shareholders' equity. Problem. According to Charles Schwab's 10K filing, the bulk of the bank's bond holdings across both its available for sale and held to maturity securities had a duration of more than. Sorry about this. Again, according to Charles Schwab's 10K filing, the bulk of the bank's bond holdings across both its available for sale and held to maturity securities. Had a duration of more than 10 years with a weighted average yield significantly lower than today's yields. Problem, right? Swabs available for sale securities totaled nearly 150 billion with an average weighted yield of 2.13%, while it's held to maturity securities totaled 159 billion with an average weighted yield of 1.74%. Problem Investors today can buy a two year US Treasury note with a yield that is nearly triple the yield of Schwab's bond portfolio. But as long as Charles Schwab is not forced to liquidate some or all of its bond portfolio, it should be able to avoid the financial mess that has put Silicon Valley Bank and others like First Republic and Pac West Bancor in dire financial straits. I feel like from this analysis today, There are so many things pointing to the entire Federal Reserve Bank of the USA rising interest rates as a source of the problem. And there has been no sign that Charles Schwab is experiencing a run on its deposit base, as was the case for Silicon Valley Bank, which received a stunning $42 billion in withdrawal requests on Thursday last week, which caused the bank to collapse. According to Charles Schwab, it has plenty of liquidity options, even before, including the Federal Reserve's new bank term funding program, uh, which we can talk about briefly. Uh, the Federal Reserve Bank has started a bank term funding program to shore up uh, all banks uh, across the country. Morgan Stanley defended Charles Schwab in a Monday note, arguing that it is it has simp- it has ample liquidity to meet com- customer deposits in the event of a bank run. Uh, Morgan Stanley said, we see $275 billion immediate liquidity available in a draconian short-term stress scenario and $375 billion available over a 12-month stress scenario that fully covers their $366 billion bank deposit base. Notably, in a worst-case scenario, if Charles Schwab were to fund customer withdrawals via liquidating their $148 billion available for sale securities portfolio, and crystallized $12 billion of unrealized securities losses, their tier one average leverage ratio would be largely unchanged, according to Morgan Stanley. So Charles Schwab seems to, you know, be able to weather the storm. But billionaire Charles Schwab's wealth plunged nearly $3 billion after his brokerage's shares were hammered amid the banking crisis. So, you know, auditing the global capital markets is fascinating. And the more you dive into this information and the more you really start learning what's going on, it's an education. It's an education. And we all need to be educated because it's very complex. So we want to take a look that the First Republic and PacWest Bancorp, they had a plunge in their stock price. As fears of the contagion were growing following the biggest bank failure since 2008 with Silicon Valley Bank. So, woo, shares of First Republic Bank and PacWest Bancor had plunged as much as 61% and 53% as of last Thursday, March 9th, 2023. And both regional banks are growth oriented and have exposure to venture capital customers. So, precisely why they got sucked into this whole crisis. Uh, looks like Another regional bank that has gotten hit hard over the past couple of days is Western Alliance Bank Corporation, which had crashed over 58%. So everybody is being hit by this, and we're looking at the reasons, and most people are turning to the higher interest rates. Luckily, as we know, we have the bailout from the Federal Reserve uh, and the FDIC that are fully protecting depositors with funds in the bank so that you know saves off the concerns for all the banks that have collapsed so far but it's still uh such a precarious situation uh for us all to be in so let's let's end the program with some some positive news um of course we can keep going into the analysis of the bank collapses next week uh but let's, let's talk about um, one other comment uh, from Mohammed El-Aryan, another economist. Uh, he says that the Fed is slammed with a trilemma of problems and will slow rate hikes to prevent something breaking in the financial system. So he explains it's not just growth versus inflation. It's growth, inflation, and financial stability. The Fed massively front-loading its interest rate hikes is causing strain in the financial system, according to, to uh, Mohammed El-Aryan. So he says uh, he's the chief economic advisor at Allianz and has been a loud critic of the Fed's delayed response to inflation, which has prompted a series of aggressive rate hikes this year and has forced the central bank into the challenging situation of maintaining growth while re- re- reining in sky-high inflation. But he noted in an interview with CNBC, the Fed actually faces a more complicated set of problems. He calls this a trilemma because, as I said earlier, it's not just growth versus inflation. It's growth, inflation and financial stability. And somehow the Fed has to find its way through this, according to Mohammed Alarian. You know, while stocks have been boosted by hopes for a Fed pause or softer rate hikes, that's potentially bad news as the Fed would only slow its pace of hiking if there are concerns the financial system will break. So if they slow, they are probably indicating the financial system is weak. In particular, worries are growing about liquidity in U.S. treasuries, which has been drying up due to the Fed reducing its balance sheet. That's a sign of dysfunction in the bond market which could destabilize other areas of the financial system given the wide-reaching impact of treasuries. There's concern that this front-loading of rate hikes and the Fed massively front-loading it will break something in the financial system. And if the Fed does slow, it's because we have financial stability concerns, according to Ellarian. While the Fed scrambles to steer the economy into safety, Elarian cautioned investors to take the recent gain in stocks with a grain of salt, noting inflation remains high, financial stability concerns persist, and economic growth fears linger. So at this stage, let's turn to our own personal situations. I want us to end the program with some positive news because it's it's really challenging with all this happening in the multi-trillion dollar and multi-billion dollar level to understand about all of us with our money in our banks across the country. So, let's 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 have a, a a bit of a reality check because right now if we look at the situation, your money is safe. Okay? You don't have to worry about your money. Number 1, as everyone's been saying for the last 7 days, The FDIC insures depositors up to $250,000. So as long as you have less than that in your bank account, you're always going to be protected by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Done. Now, many companies use Silicon Valley Bank as their bank and still had a lot more than that in their accounts. So U.S. customers held at least $151.5 billion dollars in uninsured deposits by the end of 2022 nationwide. Now, those are the multimillionaires and multibillionaires who have a lot more than $250,000 in their bank accounts. So foreign deposits reached at least $13.9 billion uh, in our bank accounts across the country, and they're also uninsured. So that's what the, the USA Department of Treasury and the Federal Reserve Bank have to look at the almost $200 billion that is uninsured. But we know that the Biden administration took an extraordinary step guaranteeing all Signature Bank customers and Silicon Valley Bank customers that they would have access to all their money this week. And that included their uninsured deposits. So it just shows that it was better to do a bailout and to make sure that people didn't lose their money. And so rest assured that Your money is safe, and and that's what's most important. Now, at this point, what we advise, though, if we look at some of the analysts, they're saying, it doesn't make sense to take all your money out of a bank. And that was according to Jay Hatfield, who's the CEO of Infrastructure Capital Advisors and a portfolio manager of the Infracap Equity Income ETF. But he said, make sure your bank is insured by the FDIC, which most large banks are, right, and the regional banks. I don't think people should panic, but it's just prudent to have insured deposits versus uninsured deposits. But the collapse is a good reminder to be aware of where your money is held, right? So hopefully this radio program wakes up some of that as well, because it's a wake-up call for people to always make sure their money is at an FDIC-insured bank and within FDIC limits and following the FDIC's rules. And that's according to Matthew Goldberg, a bank rate analyst. So the FDIC has different resources on its site. They have the Bank Suite tool, which offers a list of FDIC insured banking institutions and the electronic deposit insurance estimator calculator um, that calculates the insurance coverage of different deposit accounts at banks. So you can go on their website, fdic.gov. And also Hatfield's advice was to split up your money between banks. Why not? Now, that's for people who are multimillionaires, right? If you have a million or two million, why not have four accounts and have them insured, right? So have 250000 of each of your millions in different banks. And that said, it's also worth knowing that you may already have uh, insured more than 250000 at your current U.S. bank if you have more than one deposit account there or if you have a joint account. So all that you know spreads out that $250,000 of guaranteed uh, money and uh, protection. Now, let's talk about how do you know if your bank is failing. Customers would need to be keeping track of their bank's financial statements, regulatory filings, audit statements, and other such materials to be able to identify red flags, said Marbu Brown, a former JPMorgan Chase customer experience executive who now works as a Fortune 500 executive consultant. Plus, much of the information that would help you truly um, gouge the health of your bank is not public such as deposit inflows and outflows, credit losses, and funding sources. And to the extent they are reported, it is on a lagged basis at the end of each quarter. So if a bank does run into trouble, those privy to the bank's books are the most likely to see it coming first, which are the executives, right? It's not going to be you and I, which is what happened with SVB, right? But as soon as people got wind, bam, a bank run. So is the 2008 Happening all over again? Let's hope not, right? The banking sector should be theoretically more stable due to the regulatory reforms put in place after the crisis in 2008. The U.S. government's actions at the weekend were also an attempt to prevent the next SVB from happening, further stabilizing the sector after a chaotic week. Rising interest rates meant cheap treasury bonds, SVB, and other banks invested in years ago crumbled in value. And last week's bank run was triggered by SVB selling those securities at a steep loss to help pay customers deposit withdrawals after people started pulling their money out of the bank. So again, rising interest rates meant cheap treasury bonds, SVB, and other banks invested in years ago have crumbled in value. That's caused by what the Federal Reserve Bank has done in in raising interest rates. The Fed also said it will offer bank loans for up to a year in exchange for U.S. Treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities that lost value. The Fed will honor the debt's original value for the banks that take the loans. So I think a lot of banks, if they look at the $620 billion that they have, um, first in uninsured assets, they're going to have to work with the Federal Reserve Bank and the Department of the Treasury and the FDIC on that. And they're going to have to look also at all of the loan portfolios right, to see if they can get these bank loans in exchange for their treasury bonds and their mortgage-backed securities, Um, because they've all lost value and it's going to cause a collapse in the banking sector if it's not handled. The Treasury Department will also provide $25 billion in credit protection to ensure against banks' losses, which should help banks easily access cash when they're in need. So I think those are good signs. That's all from uh, CNN reporting. Um, I think it's also um, significant to note that right now, if you look at um, you know what we've been analyzing, I think we can conclude that there's just plenty of blame to go around for why Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, why all the banks are collapsing. But let's just say that as the dust settles around this, shocking collapse it looks like the federal reserve bank which is an institution tasked with supervising banks to ensure they operate in a safe and sound manner it's not doing its job but it's a nuanced answer to blame it on the federal reserve bank of the usa because there's so many moving parts at play for instance yeah sure you can blame the fed that's the easy that's the easy part. But you also have to look at Congress, because we haven't even had a chance on this program to talk about the fact that the Dodd Frank Consumer Protection Act of 2018 was rolled back in 2018. Pardon, you know, because they were trying to give these smaller banks an out that they don't have to do the they don't have to do the stress test. Well, we see what happened with that. Not a good idea, right? We also can blame Silicon Valley Bank itself, because those executives, they they could foresee the crash in the bond value. They knew that was coming. They saw that, that Secretary that Chairman Powell was clear he's gonna fight inflation. And he warned the markets again and again about thinking things are, are, are over. You'd have to kind of be half asleep to not have heard that message where he said, Look, you know, if we're gonna raise interest rates, you know it's, it's gonna happen in the bond markets. So it still doesn't mean you can't blame the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, which was supposed to be supervising the Silicon Valley Bank way down there in, in uh, Silicon Valley. So, you know, there there's a lot of blame to go around. We'll dive into this a lot deeper next week uh, because right now the good news is as of this publication um, and CNN Business is saying as of right now, the Fed has sprung into action. Um, they've created the bank term lending program, they have a $25 billion stopgap meant to provide an additional source of liquidity against high quality securities, eliminating an institution's need to quickly sell securities in times of stress. Um, and then we also heard that Chairman Powell announced the Fed would launch a review of how it handled oversight of the Silicon Valley Bank, hopefully to rein in the San Francisco Bank to, you know, supervise these banks more, uh, with more scrutiny, have tougher rules for the mid sized bank, the small banks. So we know that auditing the global capital markets with Allison is a dynamic process. And sometimes we have to take these twists and turns like today to veer away from our dissecting the $1,540 trillion that are circulating across the globe that we're auditing every week to dive into situations like the collapse of our banks in the U.S.A., and we've only touched on the North American context. We've got to go around the world and see what's happening in the other continents. Because as we know, all of this capital is interconnected. It's all interrelated. It's all mixing and 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 going around, you know, from Asia, to Europe to USA to different parts of the Middle East. So you have to track where the money's going, what's it doing, what's happening. Uh, so we're going to continue this dialogue. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Again my name is Allison Johnson and you're here with Auditing the Global Capital Markets with Allison and we have attempted to give you an overview from insider business and from different perspectives from Nobel economists and from chief economists and from CNN business and different resources how they view the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, the Signature Bank and the problems right now with First Republic Bank and uh, other regional banks across the country we'll dive more into this if you need to find me email me allison at 2414morgan.com look at our website www.2414mdinternational.com find me on social media under allison a-l-l-i-s-o-n johnson j-o-h-n-s-o-n anywhere on linkedin facebook instagram pinterest linkedin you can find me on TikTok, Snapchat. I'm on all the social media platforms. I'm here to talk about auditing the global capital markets with Allison. Let's dive deep into what's going on. We, we need to know. We need to be educated and we need to be knowledgeable about what's happening with our money. And how to best distribute this money across the globe in ways that can benefit all of humanity and all living creatures that are here with us on the planet Earth. That's the objective of this program. If we have $1,540 trillion circulating across the globe every day, what are we using it for? Is it bettering the life that we're living on the planet Earth for all things living here? Is it stemming the tides of climate change and all the issues that are caused by globalization that are creating such levels of inequity society, polity, and economy-wide? That's the issue that we need to answer. And we're nowhere close to getting to the answers. We're just diving into the auditing. So let's keep going. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a great week. And please be in touch. Allison at 2414morgan.com at www.2414mdinternational.com across LinkedIn, Allison Johnson, Facebook, Allison Johnson, Instagram, Allison Johnson, Pinterest, Allison Johnson, and across the board on Twitter, Snapchat, and TikTok under Allison Johnson. Reporting live from Washington, D.C., March 16, 2023, it has been a pleasure to be with you and look forward to the next meeting. I know the first broadcast of this program, March 17, 2023, I enjoy all of you listening first thing in the morning, but let's keep the dialogue going all week. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day. Great weekend and a great week. Take care.